Hey, job seekers, you are listening to How the F Do I podcast with Marta and Ben. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. We are back. Hi, Marta. We're back. Hi, Ben. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. Um, but I miss recording these in person with you. I know. Me too. We are continuing our, our COVID strategy of doing these over, over Zoom. We're still using Zoom. We are. But it allows us to talk to people all over the world, even though this person we're going to talk to is literally in my backyard, my neighbor, not my backyard. That sounds creepy. And my my neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded so weird. My neighbor, they're my neighbor. Happened to be my neighbor. Yep. Um, Um, And Ben, you were such a saint because I could not record the last time with Patricia because it was during Little League playoffs. So you are the MVP of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, you you definitely threw me into the fire, but we couldn't wait any longer to talk to Patricia. So I, I did it. It was fantastic. I hope everyone enjoyed the episode. If you haven't heard it yet, it is live right now. So be sure to go check it out. Um, how the F do I write a will and build a trust? Um, she was awesome. It was super easy. So uh, I actually came out feeling really good about it. So you and were very been, missed, though, Marta. Very I'm missed. sorry. I was this. This is your announcement. That you're like, and I'm spinning off, and I'm doing my own thing solo. I don't need you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no way, no way. We had fun, but we definitely missed you. Oh, I miss you too. Well, thank you. You you rock. Um, well, I'm glad to be getting back into this because today's topic is just gold. Again, I feel like every episode that we have is gold. Uh, but again, I just get so, I get more and more excited every time we have a new episode. And this one, like Marta brought this idea to me, um, a friend of ours who we're going to talk to. And it was an immediate yes, because I love to think about these all the time. It was ingrained in me by none other than Tony Riggins himself, Marta's husband, who made me look at resumes all day during my internship, which I now look back on and I'm very appreciative of uh, because I get asked about this a lot. So um, yeah. yeah, I'm very excited for today, Marta, when you brought brought this person to us to have a conversation with about resume writing. Yeah, guaranteed Ben's going to get very fired up, very excited, have a lot oh, yeah. of questions. I'm going to have to reel him his airy self in, but it's the best. Uh-huh. It's going to be good. Yep. I can't guarantee a hundred percent because you haven't said that for like six months. Like I think you've evolved past far. I honestly, I think Farb facts and 100% is oh. season one. And I feel like I've really grown up and evolved my vocabulary. Can, uh, can, we, just keep, <laughs> can we just keep Farb facts? Even if you don't say a hundred percent, like, can we just yeah, keep a Farb? We definitely fact can. We should, okay. we should, you know, I've, I've got okay. some new ones I can spew, but you know, um, I agree. 100% right. is definitely out the door. Amazing. Okay, so we're going to keep some farbacks in for everybody. Um, Without further ado, should we just get into it? We got to get into it. I'm ready to go. I'm too fired up. Okay. I'm fired up. He's fired up, (laughs) y'all. All All right, we're getting into it. So without further ado, we've invited Michelle Lando of Write Styles, who she is a certified professional resume writer, who's also a content contributor to places like Glassdoor, Recruiter.com, Career Contessa, Create and Cultivate, and The Every Girl to talk about how the F do I write 
a resume. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Michelle, also my neighbor, as I mentioned earlier. Who lives in your backyard. Lives in my backyard. I live in her backyard. All yeah. The time. yeah. <laughs> why my resume is so good. Just kidding. <laughs> I do. I do walk by and wave when I walk my dog though. That's how close we live. Yes, I we do. It. That's why, I that's why it. I said in my backyard. Um, yeah. But anyway, so I'm Michelle, I've gotten to know, um, as my neighbor and she has this incredible skill and I've learned more about what she does. And I'm like, Oh my God, like you'd be amazing. So Michelle has agreed to come and do a podcast and bestow all of her knowledge on us. All the knowledge, <laughs> all of the knowledge. I get asked this all the time, Michelle. I think this episode is going to be incredible. Your knowledge is going to be very much needed and something that people can take away immediately to help live their best lives. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's something that everyone at some point or another has to do, has to write their own resume or hire someone to do it. But at some point, uh, you're going to need a resume. So I love doing what I do. I love writing resumes for people. But another thing that I am very passionate about is teaching people how to write a resume themselves, because I think it's a skill that is very worthwhile to have. And while not everyone has the time or mental capacity to write it amidst everything else, knowing how to do that is just invaluable. No doubt. And let me let me just give some macro context because it is my my job. So um, you both know I do employee engagement professionally, and so there was this really great report that I'm a nerd about that came out. The talk is Gallup State of the Global Workforce, and it just came out and it said 20% of the world's workforce is engaged, only 20%. So companies need to really do a lot of work, but on the employee candidate side, that means everyone's looking for a job and about to work on a resume because they're looking yes. for something else. So this is so timely and relevant. Yes. Agreed. No, I, I think Glassdoor did a, a recent study as well that said something like 89 or 90%. I have to look up the exact metric, but it's some exorbitantly high percentage of employees are looking for a job, even if they have a job. I mean, everyone is always looking. Yep. Everyone's always looking. So, okay, Michelle, before we dive in, how did you get into this? How did you become a professional resume writer? Yeah, so I got a degree in business management economics. I always knew that I wanted to do something to meld my love of business and fashion. And so when I graduated, I actually was a personal clothing stylist. I worked for Nordstrom and initially I wanted to take over the company. I thought I was going to work my way up and start, you know, doing all the business stuff for them. And it quickly became clear that retail was not right for me. So from there, I made the jump. I went into recruiting. I've always worked with people and I've always done some capacity of writing and just helping my friends with resumes. And when I was working in recruiting, I had people calling me saying, what do I wear to an interview? How do I write a resume? How do I put this on my resume? How do I showcase this talent or this area of expertise? And so I started working with clients while I was working at this recruiting company, just kind of doing it on the side. And then as I had more and more people asking me for this service, I started exploring how I could further educate myself on this because yes, I had kind of done it on the side, but I had never done it aside from, you know, helping people at work really 
professionally. So I started looking into it. I got certified as a professional resume writer. That was in December of 2014. And that's when I first had this idea for Write Styles to just kind of be a one-stop shop to give people advice on what to wear to work, how to dress for interviews, how to present themselves both on paper and in person. And so I started my business in December of 2014. And I worked on the side of my day job for a year and a half. And then in June of 2016, I made the leap. I started doing this full time and I have been doing it full time ever since. Incredible. Incredible. I, I think this is where March is going to have to reel me back in because we're focused on resume writing. But one thing I want to point out that I think is really, really cool about your story is finding a lane where people need help when you're in a certain specific, maybe corporate type job, but building a side hustle for yourself that essentially just built into your own business. And you've taken that to the moon at this point, which I think is really cool and really exciting. So, um, I think a really good tip is, you know, anyone that's kind of looking for side hustles, like find out what people are asking for, for help in your current job and see how you can kind of maximize that. That's, that's kind of the story that, that I feel like you, you kind of, the path you took, I guess I should say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are a couple different elements to that, but first, definitely, yeah, if you're trying to transition into one area or another, when it comes to your resume, start by seeing what you can do at your current job. Just like what you were saying, uh, if you can help with a different team or help take on work for different projects kind of to explore and depending on if you're trying to transition into a different area. But also, I was very fortunate that it, what I was looking into aligned with what I was doing. And so my bosses, they were very supportive at the time of, oh yeah, you can, you can help people with resumes. And that was definitely part of it. But for me, and this is something that I always tell people, but I think there's a lot of information out there about how, if you're going to start your own business, or if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to jump all in and it has to be all or nothing. And you just have to give it your all no matter what. And you know, unpopular opinion here, but I don't think that's the case. I think that you can take it one step at a time. And I think it's very real and very, uh, you know, it's important to focus on what you can do realistically and make sure that you can support yourself and your family, you know, depending on your situation, but money is very real and very important and you need to be able to support yourself. And not everyone can make the leap and jump into something with no financial stability. So being, excuse me, being able to stay with my day job and have that financial stability and explore the different areas of where I wanted to go and build my business, that was really beneficial because it let me evolve the business very organically and see what my client base wanted. Just like I mentioned, initially when I started doing this, I really wanted to have an equal part of style and business. And that is still what I do. That's still something that I really love. But the majority of my clients come to me for resume writing. That's what I have become known for. That's what I've built my reputation around. So the majority of what I do now is content writing, resume writing, LinkedIn optimization, all of that stuff. And while I still do assist with style and information on what you should wear to interviews and all of that stuff. It's just not a huge part of my brand at this point, because you got to listen to what your clients want and being able to, again, grow organically and kind of explore that without the constraints and without the stress of how am I going to make money? Am I able to pay my rent? Am I able to feed my family? Whatever that is, you know, that's really important. And so I think that 
anyone that's listening, you know, we'll, we'll, we will focus on resumes, but if it comes to entrepreneurship and building a business, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It can definitely be one step at a time. Yeah. I love that. It's more so like a lot of, I think a lot of people want to be the entrepreneurial route and, you know, have that own business of theirs that they can build their own schedule. And I think we all have great ideas, but I think it's just about just start doing them. You know, even if it's little step-by-step, um, you'd be amazed to see how they grow, how it grows. Totally. And in the sense of resumes, one thing that people tend to think about is that they have to get paid for something. It has to be a professional corporate job in order for for it to be on their resume. And that's just not the case. So if you start doing something on the side, if you have a side hustle, if you have a passion project, something like that, you can totally put that on your resume and it will add value to the experience that you're bringing, as long as it aligns with the kind of jobs that you're interested in. Ooh, okay. We're getting tactical. This is where I'm going to reroute Ben into tactical <laughs> takeaways. <laughs> Do it. Because <laughs> I, I know he also loves this too. Okay. So Michelle, um, you also help people with their LinkedIn profiles, which I think Ben and I have talked about, and we feel like we need to do a whole other episode on that because that yep. would be very valuable. Um, Michelle, like we'd love to get into just sort of like the do's and don'ts, right? Like what are the practical tips? I think before we do that, like, what do you think the biggest barrier is for people creating a resume? Like, it seems like a skill we should all know, but we were never really taught how to do it. Do you find that most people know how to create a resume or when you get resumes, are you like, oh my gosh, I have to build this entirely back up because this is not good. Most people do not know how to do resumes. Well, let me take a step back. A lot of people were taught how to do resumes in a very ancient methodology and a methodology that does not align with applicant tracking systems and keywords and just applying for jobs in this online era where a lot of people were taught and still it amazes me sometimes. I actually work quite a bit with graduates or college students and seeing what some college admission, not admissions, um, college support Counselors. Counselors. Thank you. Guidance, uh, the counselors and the career center. Apparently I just, my brain just went somewhere. It's all good. The career center, the career center, what they're telling these students, it's all, a lot of it is, is old. And, you know, these practices aren't going to be very effective. So I think the biggest barrier to entry is knowing how to do this for the kind of world that we are applying in. You know, we used to be able to walk up to someone, you'll hear a lot of older generations say, oh, you should drop off your resume somewhere. You should, you should try to connect with someone. And there's no, there's no alternative to personal connection. I mean, that's huge. However, dropping off your resume physically at a place will often work against you because people just don't have the capacity to sit and look at a resume and it might get lost. And there are so many other things. So people just don't necessarily know how to build a resume for job applications in this age, if that makes sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. And I thought, I think you brought up a really interesting point that I had never thought about until we started talking to you was the idea of creating a resume that would be read by the system because most people apply through online now, right? And that 
resume gets funneled into an automatic system that then the recruiting team looks at and spots uh, finding people who are fit for that job description. And I, I think that's really interesting that because we also live in an age now where a lot of people like to get super creative and colors and pictures and all this, all this things. But what's interesting that you bring up is like, no, you actually have to tailor it to the computer system uh, as well. Exactly, exactly. So just in case anyone isn't sure, applicant tracking systems are basically a keyword search that recruiters and hiring managers will use to sift out candidates who have the right qualifications for the job that they're interested in. And one thing that I always like to point out is a lot of people come to me and applicant tracking systems are commonly referred to as ATS. And people seem to think that an ATS or ATS itself is the program like Microsoft Word or like Zoom, and it's an actual program. But applicant tracking systems, there are a ton of them out there. And so you don't know which platform the company is actually using. And it's really important when you are applying for a job to make sure that you have the right keywords in there. I always, always encourage people if you're applying for a job, if they are asking for a specific software, if you do have that experience, make sure that that software is listed. A lot of people, particularly as they get higher up in their career, will say, oh, well, if, I have, if I'm at this level in my career, they're gonna assume that I have this software. Maybe, but if that software is specifically listed out on the job description, chances are they're going to do a keyword search to see if you have that software in your resume. And if you don't have that in your resume, even if you're an expert at it, you might get passed up from the computer's point of view. So your resume really has to be, it has to work when you are, when a person is looking at it and when a computer is looking at it. So a lot of people seem to go on Pinterest or go online and they see these really beautiful, really minimalist resumes that are, they don't have a ton of information and they're artfully crafted and they're designed and all of these things. And that's awesome if you're handing your resume to someone and you're leveraging your connections and you are sure that your resume is going to get in front of the right person with a referral that's fine. You can do that. But if you're applying online, these resumes that don't have many words on them and are just about the design, a computer is not looking at the design. Ooh, okay. This is so exciting. I'm just going to keep going a layer down and down and down to get nerdy. <laughs> um, something that I like just to, as we keep going there talking about formatting, I think I wanted to ask is uh, what's the difference between a functional and a chronological resume and is one better than the other? Yes, I love that. So not everyone knows this, but a functional resume is a resume that doesn't always include dates. It focuses more on the skills that you have. So a functional resume would be really beneficial in some capacities. People tend to use them if they are re-entering the workforce or they're trying to go back into a career that they once held, something like that, because it really focuses on the skills and not so much that reverse chronological resume. Whereas a reverse chronological resume, your current job goes towards the top and then it goes back from there. So in my experience, and either of you can stop me, I know Marta, your husband is a recruiter as well, but every single recruiter that I've ever spoken to says that they need some element of a reverse chronological resume on there because they need to see the career path of a candidate. So the way that I typically write resumes is I do kind of a hybrid style. So I always have a summary of qualifications or a summary of skills towards the top of the document so that a recruiter or hiring manager or really any reader, they can quickly see if the candidate has the right skills for the job that they're interested in applying to. And then they can see the reverse chronological 
career path to see what experience someone has. And then you have both elements on there. So I really believe that both the reverse chronological and the functional resume have their place. But in most cases, if you do a fully functional resume, it won't get you that far because people want to know, they wonder what you're hiding if you're not sharing any job dates or anything like that. What if someone has has taken like a sabbatical or like a longer period of time off or even got like, for example, like me, got laid off from their job? Um, how, How do you, how do you show that then if like a recruiter wants to see timing and like, how do you present that? Well, first and foremost, I don't think anyone should be ashamed of taking time off or getting laid off. That's just the nature of the game. There are very few people that have a totally linear career path where they go from job to job to job with no time in between or anything like that. So I wouldn't be worried about that. I always tell people there's nothing wrong with that as long as you explain it. The biggest mistake that I see when it comes to career gaps or sabbaticals or anything along those lines, whether you chose to take time off, whether you didn't choose to take time off, is that if you leave it blank, people are then able to make their own assumptions. And most of the time when a reader is making an assumption, it is wrong. So if you took time off, even if you got laid off, I would say, I got, you know, in an interview, I I got laid off and I wouldn't be ashamed of that. But on your resume, depending on how much time, if it's a couple of months, up to six months, I would say it doesn't really matter. No one's going to think about that too much unless it's a current sabbatical. If it's past six months, I always encourage putting something there, whether it's caretaker, home with taking care of children, taking care of a family member. If you're traveling, you could put something as world traveler freelance travel coordinator, if you volunteered, something like that. But I always encourage people to put some something there, some entry, whether, and again, that could be school too, whatever that entry is. It's not to say that you didn't do anything because nine times out of 10, when people take a break, again, whether it is chosen or unchosen, they're not sitting there twiddling their thumbs. They're doing something, whether it's traveling or whether it's just recuperating from a job that totally burn them out. That's fine too. But you just need to make sure you have an answer because it's when you sit there and don't say anything that it leaves them to make their own assumptions. Yeah, that makes sense. I work in the music business and I, me getting laid off from my previous job, uh, everyone has told me that you won't be a music veteran unless you've been laid off at least once. So I feel good about that. And now I scream it from the rooftops. Totally. totally. <laughs> I mean, I think in tech too, it really depends on what you're doing, but very few, if you're working for a big company, it's very common to have some sort of a layoff, especially was- during COVID. I mean, come on. Especially now. I mean, now there's, yeah. there's definitely a, a little recession happening, so it's going to be more common. Totally. Exactly. Um, okay. This is a, a controversial question if there's controversial things in resumes, but like, do resumes actually have to be one page? Like Ooh, people, I old, love this old, question. Old geezers like me who've been working for like 18 plus years, like my resume is really hard to keep to a page. Do I have to do that, Michelle? No. So my general rule of thumb is that if I can get everything onto one page, that's great. I like to do it. It's just an easy way to keep everything succinct and show a very pretty picture, you know, of your, of your career. The easiest way to think about a resume is like a movie trailer. So it shows all the best parts of your career without showing 
the entire movie or your entire career and entices someone to want to learn more about you, to interview you. But again, it doesn't have to be one page. If you're going to have to cut so much information out that it doesn't actually highlight all that you have to offer, then do the full two pages. But generally I try to either do one full page or close to two full pages. If you have half a page, well, maybe more like a third of a page. But if you only have a little bit on the second page, you can get it down to one page. But also another thing to consider is I typically only include 10 to 20 years of experience on a resume. You can go back farther. It really depends on the person and what they want to highlight. For example, if someone 15 years ago worked at a company that they're now trying to reapply to, it's probably a good idea to show that company on your resume. It doesn't have to be a long description, but it it's beneficial to show that you work there, that you are familiar with the corporate policies, stuff like that. But typically 10 to 20 years is a sweet spot. More than that, you can always talk about in an interview, but people probably won't focus on it when it comes to those skills applying to your current role. I'm not going to lie, Michelle, you kind of blew my mind because I have been preaching when people send me their resumes that if it's more than two pages, I'm not even going to look it over. Just make this one page and bring it back to me. So I am definitely going to change my strategy now. Well, more than two pages, I don't recommend either. More than two pages, I don't recommend. That's pretty much the only time I would ever have a document longer than two pages is if it's some sort of a CV. And a CV is different than a resume. And that's one other thing that might be beneficial to explain to people. But a lot of people will use the term CV and resume interchangeably. But a resume is just like I said before, a resume is a snapshot of your career. It's very metrics heavy, highlight your achievements, stuff like that. Whereas a CV is much more lengthy. It's mostly used in academia or science, whether if you're a doctor, maybe you have a whole research section, publication section, stuff like that. Even perhaps in music, if you want to have an entire if you're a musician and you have your recordings and your live, uh, I was going to say presentations, but your performances, stuff like that, that could potentially be a place where you would have a CV. So a CV might be longer than three pages, but you're typically not going to submit a CV when you're applying to a job online. That would be something unless they specifically ask you for a CV, in which case, then you would use it and they're expecting a long document. Okay. God. Dumb fast follow question because nothing is I knew that. Yes, it is. So, <laughs> um, I knew that about the U S but I worked with a bunch of Europeans and Europeans all use CV. Like they use the term CV. So when they say CV, are they meaning your definition of CV or do they, or do they mean resume? Do you know? I am not 100% certain. So I always tell people I am certified in U.S. standards, but Europe and other countries, they're very different. For example, I never recommend including a photo on your resume or your CV in the U.S. because it could work against you. You probably know this, Marta. HR people will tell you it could be discriminatory if someone picked you based on your photo, but in Europe, it's very common. Everyone has a picture. So Mm. I am not hundred percent certain they might mean a resume, but they're actually the more that I think through this, they probably mean a regular CV because when you apply to jobs in Europe, they include information like birthplace, uh, which is absurd when you think about it here, but they'll include something like birthplace, uh, 
if you are a, a citizen, your languages, which I mean, you would include your languages on the CV as well or resume as well, but they probably mean closer to an actual CV because in Europe, mm. they ask a lot more personal information that is totally illegal to ask in, in the US. US. Well, then this is a good caveat. I've, I doubt we have a global reach, but in case anyone internationally is listening, <laughs> our tips are for the US only, or these are US tips. <laughs> and maybe we'll find out we have some like um, random- Thank you to all European our followers, ex-US. We appreciate you and love you very much. I do work with international clients, but I always tell them I do everything to U.S. standards, and typically they're applying for jobs in the U.S., but I have, I have worked with several international candidates. So I, I have one question about if you, ha if you do have a two-page resume and you do mm -hmm. apply online. Ben is obsessed with the two-page resume. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I'm, my mind is blown. I'm, I'm, I'm in shock a little bit. Does the does the computer system still read both page the, the whole resume no matter what or yeah it should okay yeah, yeah. It should. okay ATS I mean, the do. other thing yeah the other thing to think about and this kind of goes on when we were talking about it earlier with the design with an applicant tracking system I always recommend well just in general I always recommend submitting your resume in PDF because that ensures that you and the person looking at your resume are both looking at the exact same thing because Microsoft Word. Everyone knows this from computer to computer to computer. It might look completely different, even if you all have Microsoft Word. So you never want to submit an actual Word document when you're applying for a resume because the formatting might be totally funky. And then they're going to look at this and say, what is this person thinking? But with that said, I always suggest creating a, your resume in whether it's Word or Google Doc or something, some word processing uh, application and then saving it as a PDF so that the applicant tracking system can read it. There are plenty of people that submit their documents in InDesign or in something like that, but it's harder and not as universally recognized by applicant tracking systems. So I always encourage people, if you have a very designed resume that you want to hand to someone, if you're, again, able to leverage your connections, you know your resume is going to get in front of a person, that's a great place to use that very designed resume. But when you're applying online, this is not to say that you have to have a .txt, you know, a text format resume, but it's probably better to have something slightly less designed while still aesthetically pleasing when you're applying online than the super designed graphic heavy resume, because it's going to be harder for it to read it. So that makes a lot of sense of like the compatibility piece with ATS. A follow-up question to that is like, so then if I'm hearing you correctly, the way to make your resume stand out is not on like the design of it, but maybe the copy in it. So like totally. What like what are some of the tips to make it stand out since you're really just working with words, right? It's all about words. I never recommend having, you know, someone can have the same job title. They can continue to make lateral moves, but you never want to have the exact same job description. Work with your words. Thesaurus.com is your best friend. Use different words and use different sentences to describe what you do. Because even if you've had the same job, think about it. It's, it's going to be slightly different each time you're working with different people. Perhaps you're working with a different client base or different peers. But if you just have the same job description copied and pasted on your resume, 
even twice, but two, three, four, or five times, it's going to be really boring to read and you're not going to get that many keywords. The second thing is use the job description that you're applying for to your advantage. So use it, see if they have a more eloquent way of explaining what you do and see what keywords they use and integrate that into your resume. So the example that I always use is management versus leadership. Any, you know, those are often interchanged and people, if they're looking for a management position, they can say, oh, I have a ton of leadership or vice versa. We, there are obviously different elements of a manager versus a leader, but people tend to think of them in a very similar light. So if you're applying for a job that is looking for a leader with 10 years of leadership experience and leading projects and leading teams, but your resume tells that you have 10 years of management experience and managing projects and managing people, well, then your resume might get passed up on the applicant tracking system if they happen to search for leadership. So just keep in mind of the actual keywords that they're using. And again, if they have specific software or certifications or they're asking for specific traits, make sure if you do have those traits, integrate them into your resume because ultimately you want someone to, you want a computer to look at your resume and say, okay, this person has the right keywords. And then on top of that, the other piece of it is articulating your value and showing what you have to offer because anyone can say that they're good at their job, but very few people can actually show it. So the goal is that you have someone look at your resume and say, wow, this person has done all of this. I want them to do that for our company or they could help our company do this, go to the next level, whatever that is. But you want someone to be able to visualize you in the role that you're applying for. I love those tips. That's awesome. I think, you know, taking the job description itself and reworking it to fit what you can offer and what they're asking for, that's an incredible tip that I, I think a lot of people can take away. I think it leads me to wonder. So every job that you apply for, every job description is different, whether it be the same job. Do you need to tailor your resume for every job that you apply for? Or could it be a one and done situation where I'm like, okay, I've got my 2022 resume ready to go for any job that I apply for? Yes, you should tailor your resume for every job. You shouldn't have to do much Typically, when I work with clients, I tell them that I'm going to create you a foundation resume geared towards the kind of positions you're interested in applying to. So again, you shouldn't have to do too much to it, but every single job you apply to, take note of the specific verbiage that they're using if they're asking for something specific, if they're saying they want someone with 10 years of experience, if, and you happen to have that. If they are saying that they want someone with a certification, that's something that you could use in your headline. Another thing to keep in mind is looking at job descriptions, seeing what they are looking for. And if you don't have that much experience in that area, you can take an online tutorial, LinkedIn Learning, Khan Academy, Skillshare, even YouTube. If you take any sort of tutorial to familiarize yourself, say you haven't used the software, but you take a YouTube tutorial to familiarize yourself, say QuickBooks, you can then put familiar with QuickBooks on your resume. And now that keyword is integrated into your resume. Never lie on your resume. Don't overstate what you can do. That's always going to come back to bite you in the butt. But if you can say that you're familiar with it, you're not lying. You took a tutorial, you're familiar with it and you can explain, I haven't used it. 
I saw that this was a requirement. So I wanted to make sure that I was familiar with it and that I learned a little bit about the platform, but I haven't used it in my actual job. But again, there you immediately get that keyword. I appreciate you saying that because I think that's a big fear that a lot of people have, including myself, of new jobs and moving up in their careers is, do I have the capabilities of doing this type of job? Like, am I able to do it? And I, I think a lot of people are have that fear, including myself. I'm experiencing this as I grow in my career of like, you still, you, you do have the skills to learn and you do have the experience to take with you to reach yourself to the next level and challenge yourself in that way. And I think there, you know, you touched on a great point that there are a lot of resources to prepare yourself and to prepare your resume, to have those skills and to be able to jump into what should be a, a, a whole new challenge, uh, of when you step into a, a new role to begin with, right? Like, you shouldn't have to know what the, you know, everything about the role that you're going into. You shouldn't, I don't know. I, I think about it. I'm like, you shouldn't be the total expert on it or. That's you, not you the know, point. You, it's to show that you are able to take on the challenge, just like what you're saying of learning something and that you said, Hey, I saw that that was something you're looking for. I don't happen to have experience using that, but I wanted to familiarize myself with it so that I could speak to you about it. And so that I could say, yes, I'm ready to learn about it. I have a familiar familiarity with the basics. This is also really important when people are transitioning in their careers. I have a lot of clients that are making a transition and they're trying to figure out how to get into a new role or a new career path. And they don't know how to add those keywords onto their resume. Taking courses is a great way to do that. HR is a really good example. If you search HR courses on LinkedIn learning, there are a ton of courses on HR basics, HR language, all sorts of stuff like that, that you can then add to your resume. And it's not to say that you have to be an expert at it, but it shows that you are taking the step to educate yourself saying, I want to move in this direction. So I'm taking the steps to learn about this. And that will not only help show your ambition and your motivation, but it'll also help you when it comes to applicant tracking systems. I mean, there are so many different levels of making a transition or whether it's a lateral move, whether it's into a different career path or just getting a, a higher position in the career path that you're on and you know the next step in your journey. Courses are a really great way to beef up your resume and add keywords. Uh, I've never even, a, yeah, ahead, I've never, Sorry. I was just going to say, I've never even heard of LinkedIn learning. So that's, that's an awesome tip. Yeah. Oh dude. Yeah. It's out there. It's there. You I get a that. free, I think it's like a free 30 day trial or something like that initially when you sign up, but it's really beneficial. Uh, but again, you could even do something like YouTube as long as you are, learning the information. It doesn't matter where you're learning it. You don't have to pay for a course. I, this is becoming less of a common notion, but initially when I started in 2014, when I was telling people to take courses, they were thinking that they were going to have to sign up at a community college and pay for you know college credits and all of this stuff. And that's just not required. That's not to say that that doesn't help you depending on what you want to do. And there are a lot of really beneficial certifications out there that you might have to pay for, but would help you get farther in your career. That's also something to consider. Look what sort of certifications, if you're trying to make a vertical move, see what certifications or training the people that have that job are equipped with and see how you might be able to get that training, whether you need to have some sort of 
mentor, whether you need to do a class or anything like that. Love that. So it's such a good tip and it makes total sense, but I had never even thought about that. Like, oh yeah, if you need that, you could easily online go and like get that certification and be like, I have it. Like such a, it's such an advantage of, um, especially like a a very remote world that we, we live in today. So that's such a good tip. Um, so we've done a lot of the, what you should do. I want to get into the don'ts and the faux pas of resumes. And I actually have to share yes. a really funny text. I just got from my friend, Beth in New York. I was like, Oh, I'm about to record another podcast. And she said, Oh my God, please tell me you will address photos on resumes. So check covered that Beth yep. in New York city. Um, <laughs> so tell us what are the biggest don'ts? What are the no-nos with resumes, Michelle? Yes. Yeah, so we talked about the photos. Photos are for your LinkedIn profile, not for your resume. Spelling, spelling and grammar is very important. You want to make sure that it's free from spelling errors. With that said, we're human and most recruiters and hiring managers will understand. I don't recommend in any way, shape or form knowingly submitting anything with errors, but also don't kill yourself if you make one tiny error. It's not, it's not the end of the world. And also, what are you going to do about it if it's already submitted? You can't, well, actually, what are you going to do about it? Here's what to do about it. You can, if it's something really bad, or, which hopefully you didn't submit something really bad, you can actually reach out to a recruiter, hiring manager and say, hey, I wanted to submit you with an updated resume. I've since, you know, added this or whatever. But definitely spelling and grammar errors. This is, this is a personal thing. And I also want to address this in this podcast. At the end of the day, yes, I am a certified professional resume writer. There are general do's and don'ts, but resumes are very subjective. So no matter what I say, there's always going to be, no matter who reads it, everyone is going to have their own opinion. And that's always important to keep in mind is resumes are very subjective. There are general, there are general tips and tricks and all of that stuff, but you're always going to have someone that's not pleased with it or wants something or doesn't want something or whatever. I personally don't like to include hobbies on a resume. I think it takes up space. They're more suited to your LinkedIn profile where they take up precious space on your resume, especially if, again, two pages is fine, but if you are trying to get everything onto one page, then that's really important and precious real estate that you don't need to take up. Same with the term references available upon request. That actually drives me insane because here's the truth. If you get to that point in the interview process and you tell the recruiter or hiring manager, nah, I'm not going to give you references. They're probably going to be like, yeah, okay, we'll go with someone else. So putting references available upon request on your resume just takes up space. Same with the term objective. So I always include a headlining statement, which should have something to the extent of who you are, what you do, and what you offer or the value that you bring to the company. And that's a really great place to integrate those keywords, but you don't have to have the term objective. That just takes up an extra line on your resume. Another thing that's very personal, but I really hate when there's one word on the next like line. So if you're trying to have a sentence and there's one word on the next line, I really try to make it so that that one word doesn't go onto the next line or there's two full lines. That's just my, my thing. And that approves of this it. message. <laughs> this is my OCD kicking in big yep, time. Yep. I was like, absolutely. 
<laughs> yeah, but I mean, generally, just make sure that it's polished. If you, you want to make sure that your resume is a representation of you and shows people the value that you bring as a candidate and really how it relates to the job you're interested in. Because ultimately, regardless of how talented you are, if someone can't see how you would bring value and how you would thrive in the role you're interested in, it's not going to matter how talented you are at this other talent that has nothing to do with the job. So make sure that your resume is aligned with your goals and with the jobs that you're interested in. You know what I'm super curious about with do's and don'ts is bullets um, and how many bullets Ooh. you should have, um, you know, especially with like a, a lot for, for me, for example, like my current job, I probably have like six bullets. And then from there, fit, trying to fit it on my one page resume, it goes, it goes down. Is there, is there any suggestions that you can give on the number of bullets or how you should structure that those going down in chronological order? Well, I don't have a number of bullets because every job is different. It's going to depend on how long you've been there. And even sometimes there are people that I work with that have not been at a company for that long, but they have done so many really important things so that there's not so much a number of bullets, but two things to consider. One, I typically will put the most, you know, could put the bullets kind of in reverse chronological order. So the newest at the top, but with that said, if if your most pertinent bullet, say you grew the company by 30% and secured a million dollar account, that wasn't yesterday. You have some just kind of regular things that you've done. I would probably put those towards the top of the bullet section. But when it comes to bullets, just think, and just your resume in general, I would think about what makes you unique. How did you go above and beyond your job? Because yes, you want to have the right keywords in there so someone can see that you have the skills to do the job you're applying for. But ultimately, say for an accounting position, no one needs to see like the minutia of what you're doing in your accounting role. They want to see how you've gone above and beyond, that you have taken on $5 million in accounts or assets or whatever it is. So think about the information that doesn't really need to be on there versus the information that makes you stand out. Say, oh, Ben has worked with these artists and he's secured, you know, this performance with this producer, whatever that is, versus Ben works in this office with and talks to these people. If that, yeah, does that make sense? Ben totally has secured sense. the Rolling Stones to perform with Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> That's all my resume needs to say. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. I, I think you bring up such a great point because you talk about results. And I think that's a really interesting uh, tip to kind of touch on because a lot of people, and I do this too, I've learned like instead of saying the tasks that you do maybe on a daily basis – Um, showing results of, oh, I've worked with X number of artists over three years that has resulted in X amount of revenue for the company. Showing results, it sounds like, is a really important aspect when you're kind of describing your job as well. Yes, you you put it in much better words than I did. But yes, results are easily the most important element of a good resume. Keywords are important, but ultimately you want those results on there because Again, it's it's providing evidence to your claim that you are a good employee and that you would help the company that you're interested in, that you would be a beneficial hire. Because I had a marketing teacher in college that said the key to everything 
is being the solution to someone's problem. So if you think about it of you are the solution, they have a problem because they're hiring someone, this company, whether it's that the position has not been filled or they just need someone to take on extra work or they're trying to get to this next step, there's some sort of problem or pain point and you are trying to show them that you are the solution to that. So showing those results and achievements, again, the keywords need to be in there for the applicant tracking system, but this comes back to that it has to work for a computer, but ultimately the person is gonna be the one to hire you. So the person has to be able to look at your resume and say, look at these results, look at what this person's achieved, look at what March has done for her clients, look at what Ben's done for his artists. I want them to do that for us. I love that flip of the evidence. Like, I think that's such a good takeaway of just, you know, show the evidence that you are a great match for that job. It's such a, just a simple thing, but it's, it's like, I don't, when I think about writing resume, I'm not sure that I'm like writing it that way. So that's such a good tip. Um, Michelle, I know we're getting close to like the hour. So I want to, I want to like kind of get us like moving along and really like I think more importantly, if people want to work with you and want to improve their resumes, like where can they find you? Where can they read tips? Where, where do they get all your great insights? So you can find me on my website, which is rightstylesonline.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-S-T-Y-L-E-S, the word online.com. Or you can email me if you get to my, if you get to my, uh, guess my website, my email is on my website, but it's Michelle at rightstylesonline.com. And I am on Instagram at rightstyles, W-R-I-T-E-S-T-Y-L-E-S. Love it. it. Ben, I think we have to do a part two. We we, we have to do a part two. I I still have so many questions that I want to ask. So we we have to dive in. I know. Well, I think, I think we, we need to do like LinkedIn. Link because I yeah. think LinkedIn is so. I mean, obviously, I'm very like partial LinkedIn because I spend like my whole day on LinkedIn based on my job. But like LinkedIn is definitely, I think, a different beast, and I would love to get Michelle's take on it. Yeah, I agree because I, I also one thing that we didn't touch on this episode that I think will be really cool to kind of touch on in the next in talking about LinkedIn is I'm pretty fascinated with executive resumes and CEO type resumes, and when you get into the C-suite, mm. how you present yourself there, and I almost feel like LinkedIn is kind of an extension to the resume. I don't know, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, Michelle, but um, I definitely want to like get into that more and, and hear your thoughts on, on those types of resumes as well. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want me to touch on that now? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. This is how I work. I'm very Capricorn. I'm like, Ben, let's get to the episode. Then Ben's like, let I mean, me take us on a tangent. It's cool <laughs> no, 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 though, this, could be, like, this could be I, quick. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm just curious because like, give us a quick teaser. Here's what I'll say. Give us a quick teaser and hold on for more for the next one so we can get people coming back for more. There's my marketing brain working. (laughs) There you go. There you go. No, for executive resumes, I mean, similar to what I said earlier, 10 to 20 years with your executive resume, you're not necessarily going to put all of your jobs on there. You're going to put your executive level or director level jobs on there. You're going to put the jobs that align with the kind of jobs you're interested in, because don't think that any CEO or executive is going to put their internship from college on their resume. So just think of it like that. You want to put the information on your resume that you want people to see. It's actually, it's very empowering when you think about the fact that you can show people the image and the messaging that you want when you're writing your resume. It doesn't have to be oh, I just did internships or anything like that. You have the power to show people exactly the person, the results, 
and the career that you want to show. So think about that and the value and the experience that aligns with the kind of positions that you want to attract. I love that. I think that's a great kind of like ending to our whole conversation. Honestly, is like at the end of the day, you want to look at your resume is how do you want to present yourself to the, to the opportunity that you're going after. Um, so exactly. I think that's a great yeah. way to tie it all together. Honestly. I agree. And I, what stuck with me is when you said to create a movie trailer of your career, like that is such a good analogy. I was like, I love yeah, that. that makes, that also makes it feel fun because I feel like, I don't know about you, Ben, but when I sit down to write a resume, I'm like, oh, I would rather do anything to write a resume. Yep. Like it's, that's why I just, have a job. <laughs> right. Which is just so funny. Totally. Because it's like, you think about it, you should be proud of your career. But like, if you think about it, like, I'm going to tell a story about me, like that's exciting and fun. It's just yep. a good yeah. flip. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, and one thing I want to end on is as important as your resume is, your resume alone will never get you the job. Your resume is a tool to persuade someone to want to learn more about you, to want to interview you, but your resume alone, regardless of how good it is, it won't get you the job. So you have to think about it as a tool, a very important tool, but a tool in the process of securing a job and a tool in the process of getting to the next step of the application. So good. And people... If you are, you know, doing this DIY, hopefully you learned some great tips. And if you still can't fathom doing it, you can contact Michelle and she'll do it yeah, for you. Absolutely. <laughs> there are also, there are a ton of free resources on my website. I would love to work with anyone. Hopefully they learned a lot in this podcast, but there are also a lot of articles and how to's and stuff on my website because it is, it's an important skill to learn how to do. Absolutely. Um, ben, should we do some speed round? Let's do some speed round. So okay. Michelle, we, we do a speed round. It's just, it's just a couple of very like, not meant to be long answers. Just quick, first thing off your head, casual okay. questions. Okay. Ben, do you want to start us off? Uh, you, okay. I, I was, I was actually wondering <laughs> if you wanted me to start this off. Cause I will say to all of our listeners that Marta wrote these ones. Uh, and you'll see but why. I think it's awesome if you, but you know what I'm talking about. This first question you've seen that you've 1, seen 1000%. This. Yeah. Oh yeah. I actually just watched it recently and okay. it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, it's, it's a Excellent. must watch, but, uh, so anyways, all right, let's kick this off. Michelle, are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of scared. Don't, don't be scared. <laughs> it's amazing. Right. Uh, okay. So should your resume be scented like in legally blonde? <laughs> I love that movie. No. <laughs> not scented. ATS can't pick up scent. That's what we learned. Nope. <laughs> okay. Um, what's the most interesting job someone has had that you've worked with? Oh, I've worked with a lot of really interesting ones. Uh, probably work someone who worked in a morgue. Ooh. Oh, wow. That's a resume. I want to see like ROI and like. <laughs> I know. It, it, yeah. That was, that was a doozy. I'm not going to lie. The results on that probably pretty sad. Uh, fair, favorite thing to do when you aren't working on resumes or helping people with their LinkedIn profiles. I like to cook and bake. Martin knows that. Yes, I do. I get to be the, um, the beneficiary of all Michelle's baked goods. She should have a second business or a primary <laughs> business of just being a baker. She's that good. Um, Michelle, since I've been able to taste your amazing desserts, like what is your go-to dessert to make? Chocolate chip cookies. Mm. Amazing. Do you like them soft or burnt hard? Soft. So I actually bonus tip 
freeze your cookie dough before you bake it, your chocolate chip cookie dough. And so the outside gets cooked and the inside stays gooey. Ooh. Dang, that's a little Alligator. nugget right there. She's legit. She's a legit baker. That that sounds legit. Uh, Michelle, what is your happy place? Either the beach or hiking, but just outside nature. Um, What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? The best piece of advice, probably, I think I actually told you this the other day, Marta, that, excuse my language, this is how the F, right? This is how the F. You can say anything. You can say anything. People will always be there when shit hits the fan but it's the people who stick around when the dust settles. So whether that means you are going through a layoff or anything like that, it's who sticks around. Dang. Love that. That's awesome. Um, Michelle, what is your favorite age so far? I like my current age. I'm good. I'm good with 31. I don't think I want to go back to college. We have had, we asked this to everybody and everyone says their current age, except for one guest who said seven. (laughs) You know what though? Being a kid, being a kid, no worries. I'm I'm good with that too. I mean, she must've just had an awesome, an awesome year seven. I want to go back as (laughs) Megan as seven years old. Don't you bet? Yeah. I want to hang out with Meg. Is that Meg Quinn? No, that's different, Meg. Okay. There's Meg. This is Megan. Um, Megan was, is a plant-based chef. So different skill. But That's Michelle awesome. also knows Meg Quinn. So small yes. world of the podcast. Yes, very much so. All right, Michelle, last one. We ask everybody this to close it out. Uh, fill in the blank. Happiness is. Oh, God. Happiness is. Feeling some sense of fulfillment in your job. And I say some sense because not everyone has the luxury of loving their job, but feeling, feeling good about what you do. Love that. There are a lot of other things I can say, but in the scope of this podcast, feeling, feeling some sense of fulfillment in your job and feeling good about it. I love it. It's awesome. That's great. Great, great, uh, fill in. Um, This has been so helpful. Obviously, Ben is like ready to go on like a part two for two more hours and dive in. So we we have to have you back. We'll have to do a part two. But I just, I think it's just such a helpful topic um, for so many people who are going to be looking for jobs or are looking for jobs. And now y'all know how to do it. Yeah. Thank you so much. There there are so many different nuggets and takeaways from this episode that I think a lot of people can apply immediately. And hopefully everyone after this episode will open up their resumes and be motivated to, uh, to work on them. And especially in this time. So, yeah, I mean, Marta, there are like, there's so many different things that we could cover as takeaways from this episode, but I I think just, you know, it, it makes me feel good to know that like, I don't need to be a fucking crazy designer to build a really compelling resume. You know, that was like one of the biggest things that obviously from the one pager, which we'll get into, but you know, understanding how new systems work and hearing that from Michelle is, is comforting because a lot of people don't have those design skills and those flashy, you know, resumes, right? Like, so I I think that was a really important, important tip that, that Michelle gave. And I, I think also just using job descriptions to help write your resume is a, is a really great tip because I know a lot of people never know how to word themselves in their positions that they currently have. Um, 
I love yeah. that. I also I also love in addition to the like creating the trailer of your of your career. I really I mean so simple, but yeah, like going and getting out and taking classes and courses or certifications if you need to beef it up. Like I just coming from a different world where like you had to work all the time and we didn't have time to do that. It's it's true. It's something you could do on your lunch break or in your spare time. So that is so smart. Um, such a, such a good tip. And then I love that we got to some, you know, myths, like it doesn't have to be one page. It can be two pages, no more than two pages. So I think just some of these tactical things are so simple, but they're very valuable. Totally. Totally. I also found out, uh, through our conversation that we do have some, some international presence, We've got 2% listening in the UK and 2% oh, it up? in Canada. I looked it up during our, our, yes. our episode. So there We're are global. We, we are global. Many nations, yeah. many nations. Um, this is amazing. What a fun fact. And also uh, to those people, uh, you know, in global markets, apologies. This was very US centric. <laughs> we didn't know you existed. Now we know we'll be more inclusive of our content. Um, that's amazing. That's an amazing fact, Ben. Thank you. Yeah, it's kind of funny. But Michelle, thank you so much. Uh, we can't wait to have yes. you back for part two. We got we got to do it soon. Um, and we'll we'll dive into LinkedIn next for sure. Yes. Yeah, I'd love it. And Ben, just, you know, we've listeners, we have, um, we've determined that Ben has just, he's elevated as a person since a few years ago, he no longer says a hundred percent. He's evolved. He's in therapy with Tawanda. He's evolved. He's just a whole different being. Uh, so we, we just need to let go of the hundred percent part of the farm backup. Ben has agreed to continue giving fun farm facts because he's such a fun, interesting guy. So Ben, Tell us just a quick farb fact. Let, let take us out on a quick farb fact. Uh, a quick farb fact. Um, off the top of my head, uh, I will say that. Shoot, what's a good one? I mean, you know, honestly, like the biggest thing for me is like a, a big goal of mine was running a marathon for the last couple of years, and I don't think I've ever mentioned it on this podcast, and I accomplished that this year by running the Ventura marathon. So I don't know if that's can deem as a far fact, but I was very totally proud of that fact. That's amazing. Uh, I've never run a marathon. I've done like a, a 5k. That's the most that I, that's not a marathon. Like that's the most I did when I was in my twenties. So that's awesome. Ben, congratulations. I was very proud of that moment. So I, I'll shout that one out for the far fact and I'll come much more prepared for all of the next episodes. Now that I know you don't want to take away far facts because we haven't done one in a while, Marta. It's not me, it's the listeners. It's what the listeners and the global listeners want, Ben. That's fair. That's fair. The global <laughs> listeners we have. That's right. The global listeners. Well, Amazing. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. We are so appreciative that you continue to be part of uh, our podcast. And we, Ben and I are working on getting more episodes and getting them going. And we've got more stuff coming. So thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you all soon. Bye, Michelle. Bye, Michelle. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>